Hello, sports fans. This is Jeremy Taché, and this is Miami Miked Up, presented by Cold Blue Vodka. If you haven't tried Cold Blue yet, head over to your nearest Total Wine or select Sam's Club's locations to pick up an ice sculpture bottle. It's the perfect refreshing drink to enjoy on its own or in your favorite cocktails, mojitos, Bloody Marys, martinis, Moscow mules, and more. Cold Blue Vodka is gluten-free, crafted from American-sourced corn, and distilled eight times. Easy to sip on, enjoyable, and the best part, no hangover the next day. I repeat, no hangover the next day. Our friends over at Cold Blue Vodka gave us a promo code for our listeners. Head over to coldbluevodka.com and use the code BALLY20 for 20% off. That's one word, B-A-L-L-Y-2-0, for 20% off your online order. Cold Blue Vodka, redefining the blue-collar lifestyle. Now, let's get to the show. And it is my pleasure to welcome in Nikias Duncan to this episode of Miami Miked Up. This feels like a long time coming uh, for me and Nikias to finally be having a conversation on some sort of airwaves about the heat. For those of you who do not know Nikias, he is the host of The Dunker Spot, which is one of the premier NBA podcasts across basketball coverage and a writer for BasketballNews.com. Nikias, it is such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me, man. This has been a long time in the making. Uh, this is my yeah. first time seeing your face in any capacity since December 2019, I believe. Yep. Heat Lakers game that nearly went to overtime. Mm-hmm. So nice to see you and congrats yeah, to all to your you success. Too, dude. <laughs> you know, professionally, personally, like it's, it's a good time. It's nice to see you, man. Yeah, it's great to see you as well. And yeah, I mean, we were just talking a little bit before we recorded, but it is definitely a little bit different right now for the two of us than it was the last time we saw each other in December of 2019. And, and your career and the way that you've grown in the last couple of years has been such a joy to sort of watch from the sidelines, but also watch, you know, n- knowing you and being a person. And we will get into that in a second. I have to start with you with the first question that I've asked everyone on this podcast, which is what is something that's brought you joy outside of work recently? Ooh, something that has brought me joy outside of work. Um, well, like a week and a half away from my birthday. Had a good time. Um, traveled to Chicago, saw some friends, had a birthday, uh, saw a very nice birthday dinner before I went to Chicago. So just that stretch of days were nice for me and to kind of step away from basketball a little bit. Anytime you get a chance to celebrate yourself is a good thing, that's for sure. But all right, so let's get into a little bit about the Dunker Spot, about your podcast, about your growth through this industry. And 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 I don't really believe right now that there is a better basketball podcast for analysts than what you guys are doing at the Dunker Spot. But I want to talk first about your path to sort of get here because you first started writing articles on Facebook. Is that correct? Like that's really where you started with your NBA coverage? Oh, goodness. NBA talk back in 2011, 2012 it was a Facebook page. Um, I wanted to be an administrator on the page. Um, I was just a frequent commenter at the time, just a kid. And I want to say it's either like eighth grade or like <laughs> freshman year of high school. At any rate, Crazy. I just wanted to be on the page. So at that time, everyone got their free agency slash trade news, the transaction news. They got it all from ESPN. Um, it was Brian Windhorse. It was Mark Stein at the time. And so I was on Twitter, but not really on Twitter, but I found Woj while he was at Yahoo. Mm. And it turns out not many people like outside of that space really knew who he was. So he caught my eye. I was like, wait, Woj is tweeting out news like 
30, 45 minutes before everyone else. So I would like feed the page like, hey, this guy signing here, this guy's getting traded here. Huh. And early on, it was like, oh, I don't know. Let's wait until we see it on sports. Now, let's see, wait until we see it on ESPN to verify. And like, once you get a few under the belt, it's like, okay, wait, this, this guy seems to be legit. Right. And so I was added as an admin on that page because I was feeding them like free agency news before Ooh, <laughs> the other Facebook pages were getting it. How wild. That's, that's crazy. So, so that's where that starts. And so how, where does it go from there? So from there, I got to do more of what I actually wanted to do, which was talk about basketball. Because like, for me, like the transition, the transaction news was fun, but I was more like, I was more so interested in, okay, this guy signing here, how does he fit? Mm. What does this mean for the team that he left? Like that kind of thing. So I, I wasn't as in depth as I am now with the stuff, which I hate talking about myself. But anyway, <laughs> I certainly wasn't as in depth as like a high school student as I am now. Sure. But like that was always kind of the lens of how I view things. So once I actually got admin duties on the page, then I was able to post the news myself and then add my own little, okay, this guy should be able to add some shooting here. This, these were his stats here, whatever. And so I just built an audience from that, really. Like during the off season, it's posting news with a little bit of analysis. Um, during the regular season game, like, you know, those pages were doing game recaps or post the scores or like if a player had 40 or something, you post about that. I mm-hmm. would do that and add a little bit more of analysis to that. Um, we get to the playoffs. I was doing like series previews and stuff, which was pretty much unheard of outside of like, you know, your team Facebook pages. Right. So that's how I originally built my following. And then once truthfully, like once really a lot of my friends transitioned to Twitter, that's when I went to Twitter more full time. And it's really just been building off of that, man, like reacting to news, um, reacting to games. Um, I got a few opportunities, uh, unpaid, of course, right. um, to do some early writing for a few sites. Shout out to the guys at Full Scale Sports, um, mm. giving me my first writing opportunity. And it's, from there, it's just been writing and watching and listening and building connections, some of which I still don't know how on earth I got connected to some of the people that I got connected with. Yes. But that's how I eventually get to a dime up rocks or an SB nation or mm-hmm. a bleacher report. And, you know, August of 2020, I get my first full-time writing job at basketball news. And since then my following has nearly tripled, which Crazy. I still don't understand how that happens in like a year. Right. But following is nearly tripled. Um, I have the podcast, which is wild to me because I am not a talker at all. Like part of the reason why I fell in love with the writing aspects, because, okay, I can just get my thoughts out here and not have to physically say anything. This is cool. This is my comfort zone. Dope. But I get the podcast of of doing that with Steve Jones Jr., former assistant coach, former video coordinator. He is a godsend. He's, I say it all the time and I mean it. Like he is legitimately the star of the podcast. I am Hmm. blessed to be able to learn from him. On the pod and off the pod, his timeline is fantastic. Steve Jones twenty on Twitter if you don't follow him already. But it's it's just been a really wild and random journey. Yeah, sure. one that I nearly gave up on a few times um, throughout the journey. You know, you see how volatile the sports media business and the basketball media business can be, especially on the writing side. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow I slipped through the cracks, and here I am. Well, I would think that uh, slip through the cracks is not the phrase that anybody else would use for the work that you've put in and for the learning that you've done throughout this process. Because like you said, you took each opportunity as a learning experience and said, okay, I could just be putting this information out there, but instead, here, let me write a game recap. Let me write a series recap. And I think to any young journalists or or aspire, you know, teenagers right now who are listening to this, that's what you guys need to do. Listen to Nikias. I mean, he literally used Facebook and then Twitter to be where he is right now. And 
I'll be honest. I mean, for me, it's a lot of the same thing with social media, right? Like putting opinions out there about sports on the internet, eventually, if you're doing it the right way, can sort of get you noticed in different ways. And so something that you do that I think is 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 great, specifically on Twitter, is the way that you're able to break down individual plays and individual schemes and make it digestible for the common consumer. So you're able to make me, a guy who doesn't know the same intricacies about the X's and O's in a basketball game as you do, understand it. Do you take a lot of pride in being able to do that? Is that something that you've worked on through the years to craft? Um, That is something that I've worked on. Cause like I had to find my lane in basketball. Cause like I'm analyzing things and have been since again, the Facebook days, mm-hmm. but ultimately I'm not someone that, you know, played in the NBA or played college ball. So like in order for me to have an audience that trusts me, I have to be able to prove that I know what I'm talking about. And the balance with that is doing so in a way that doesn't make you seem like you're trying to let people know that you know what you're talking about. If that makes <laughs> right, sense. for sure. You know, because like sure. if I'm, I just watched, um, you know, we're recording on a what Thursday afternoon. So uh-huh. I just watched the Bucks Timberwolves game from yesterday. And sure. so like I did a video thread on my Twitter account. I could have easily have picked out some of those positions and said, okay, here's here's the Bucks running punch slice 25 for Giannis on the left block and whatever, and be correct. But like if you unless you actually play basketball or you're memorizing like 2k playbooks which isn't a direct (laughs) correlation there either way like unless you're doing that like what does any of that really mean Mm -hmm. like who cares if you can name you know the type of set or the type of play or whatever if you don't really know what it is so like i make it a point to say okay this guy is rotating here um this is what if i do call out a play then it's a brief description right after it. Like a team is running Chicago action. This is a pin down mm. into a dribble handoff. And so you make it that digestible. So then people who play game, play the game or play the game, it's like, oh, okay, I know what Chicago action is. People who don't just like, okay, I don't know what Chicago is, but since you have this description here and you have video attached, one plus one equals two. So now next time I'm watching the game and I see that, I'm like, oh, cool. I remember that from that Nakai tweet. Yep. And so like that's, I do take some pride in that and I'm still learning. Like even during the thread, I was confused about something um, in lines like a defensive rotation or something. And I was like, hey, people smarter than me, please correct me if I'm wrong on this. And I tagged some tag Steve. It's like, hey, am I right on this? I had it right. So that's cool. But like, that's also the part of it. People can tell when you don't know mm-hmm. and you're putting on like you do. Mm-hmm. And people are more in line to not only trust you, but want to rock with you. If you're able to openly admit, hey, I don't know if I'm right on this. Ask questions like, It's the best thing you've said this entire time we've been speaking is having a willingness to admit when you're wrong or having a willingness to admit admit when you don't know the answer. The person that I've heard that from the most in this sphere has has always been Katie Nolan, who is constantly saying, like, guys, I I'm not going to pretend like I know everything. It's impossible to know everything. And you and I you and I have seen it happen on Twitter where the people who try to act like they know everything and won't admit hey I I can't I can't be doing on-camera coverage of every single sport every single day and actually know the intricacies of the rosters they get caught up in that so your ability and willingness to sort of let others teach you throughout that process makes it a a more pleasurable experience for for your audience as well I know I've learned a lot about the game from you in sort of like what you said, making things digestible. But when it comes to the dunker spot specifically, what what do you believe makes your guys' podcast unique? So for the people listening here, the Heat fans that are listening to this episode, I had you on for a reason. I want them to learn from you. What about the dunker spot is unique to those fans? 
Um, one, it's a cliche thing to say, but like we actually talk about basketball. Like mm. we don't get as much into the narrative stuff. Uh, you know, for big, you know, the James Harden trade, we had to do a separate ep- um, episode on that when it broke and stuff. But instead of whoa, what does this mean for Houston and traffic? It's like, okay, what sets are the Nets going to u- utilize James Harden in? How is he going to fit with these guys? And so I think the easy, the basic answer is that we want to talk about basketball on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. We want to get into what teams are running, how to utilize these players, how to best utilize these teams. And that's kind of where we start as a base. And we have a lot of fun with it because we both, you know, Steve worked in the NBA. I love basketball, period. Right. That's why I would say as a brief correction, like I don't think the dunker spot is an NBA podcast. It's a basketball podcast. I love we that. Just, we just went through and broke down. You know, we provided coverage for the WNBA playoffs you all did. The way throughout. Did. We've had Monica Monica Minut on for an episode after the draft. So like we we love basketball, period. And so that's where I think that joy shines through. Mm. We mix in jokes. Steve drops puns all the time. We have reoccurring bits. So it's not just x's and o's talk but like that's our foundation of the show right we really want to get into basketball and you know for the heat audience we do talk heat but we talk about everybody so if you are a heat fan that doesn't want to stay up and watch west coast games like you're going to have not just lakers and clippers talk you're going to have plenty of timberwolves talk if you want to know what's going on with carl anthony towns and anthony edwards and stuff so we we try to spread the wealth as much as we can well, and that's what I've actually enjoyed about it is is learning about these teams that otherwise I would not and am not watching. Like it's impossible to not for you guys, but it's impossible for the common sort of consumer to be able to spend time watching every single game and be informed that way. And I will sort of make a, a correction there myself. You're right. You guys did have that type of WNBA coverage. And for that matter, you're one of an another person on WNBA Twitter who's right there at the top breaking down these games as well. So if you folks want WNBA coverage, Nikias is another person you can go to. You are listening to Miami Miked Up, presented by Cold Blue Vodka. Let me talk about this bottle for a second. This is something you don't see every day. For those of you listening, it is an ice sculpture design that honestly looks like a piece of art. It really stands out on the shelf, so it'll be hard to miss when you head over and pick up your bottle at your nearest Total Wine or Sam's Club locations. And this ice sculpture design on the outside is just as smooth as the great taste on the inside. You guys need to try Cold Blue because it is premium quality, one of the only liquors that doesn't give me a hangover the next day. Follow Cold Blue Vodka on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Blue Vodka. That's C-O-L-B-L-E-U-V-O-D-K-A for South Florida events and new recipes. We'll get back to some of you and your job and the heat and all of it in a second, but uh, something you and I have bonded over on Twitter at least a little bit is SpongeBob. Um, And so before I make you give me your top three favorite SpongeBob moments, I will stall for a second and talk about how SpongeBob is a great show from our childhoods and 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 the way that it, it I know it influenced me more than I think I realized until adulthood. So before I ask you for your top three favorite moments, I'll just ask you what attracts you to the SpongeBob SquarePants television show the way that it does. You are as big of a fan as I know. <laughs> I did not know we were going here on the pod. I'm glad yep. that you did. Um, had to happen. <laughs> it's just the brand of humor it has uh-huh. is just hilarious. Like there's some subtleties to it that you pick up on as you watch the episodes when you're older. Uh-huh. It, it's, it's just incredibly well done, or at the very least it was, because I'm not sure I like 
what it is right now. Like, sure, sure. Yeah, we're talking glory days of SpongeBob. I'm not yeah, talking yeah, new yeah. episodes. I'm I'm saying you know in the thick of it when when we were watching as kids. Right, right. I love that we're leaning into the nostalgia here. But yeah, like it's it's just it's it's a hilarious show. Uh huh. Do you have any pr- particular standout moments that are some of your favorite, like references to go back to or things like that? Like I know I have a couple of screen caps and things like that from SpongeBob, and there's the ones that have obviously blown up, like him standing next to the rock, you know, in the episode where I think is that the episode with Doodle Bob? I think that's the episode with Doodle Bob. But you know, there's different things that have become famous. But do you have any particular favorite episodes or moments? Oh God, Doodle Bob is a good one. <laughs> um. The original SpongeBob Christmas special was oh. very, very, very good. Very Top good. Tier. Oh my goodness. Um, the Band Geeks episode, that's that is the best episode in SpongeBob history. Point blank period. Um <laughs> goodness. Uh the, the Sandy Texas episode was great. Oh goodness, it's so good. Oh, the train the Krusty Krab training video episode is <laughs> peak comedy when Buddy gets hit with the brick. I just ah, oh, I lose it every time I see it. So this could good. be an entirely different podcast. Yeah. All right. So here's here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do because I don't want to take too much of your time. Next time you're on, I'm going to prep you in advance. Next time we're going to do a top five SpongeBob episodes and we'll like get down into the nitty gritty as to why. We'll each bring our own lists. We'll see what corresponds. And the next time we do this, that's where we're going to just start the episode. We won't even okay. intro it. Just, hey, here's our top five SpongeBob episodes. And then we'll get into basketball. So let's go back to basketball now. We've talked about sort of the general of your podcast, but but let's let's break it down a little bit. This is a you know Heat podcast after all, you know, with the Florida Panthers, with the Miami Marlins, but still, obviously, the Heat have got off to a pretty good start here, three and one. They just beat Brooklyn last night. What encourages you about their play in the first few games, and what are you seeing that makes you think, and maybe you don't, that there is a real significant improvement from last season? Oh. Uh- if we're talking about what excites me the most about this Heat team right now, it's the defense. Yeah. They are swarming. Mm. Like Kyle Lowry's addition to the team means the Heat don't have to switch literally everything like they did last year because they have someone that can actually fight over screens and stay attached to ball handlers. So now Bam can drop. This is why you've seen Bam's rebounds per game shoot up in a way that's kind of surprising to some other people. It's like, well, yeah, he's a good rebounder. The issue is that he's always 25 feet from the basket. Exactly. But now that he's not, the rebounding is better. But it's the defense. You have Low- if you have Lowry, Butler, Bam, PJ Tucker on the floor at the same time, like just good luck. They can switch if necessary. All four of those guys are incredibly strong for their position, or just incredibly strong, period, but especially mm-hmm. for their position. So they can switch when necessary. They also have uh, you know, the screen navigation, the lateral quickness necessary to just stick with their own matchup and make things easier for everyone else. So you don't have a bunch of rotations and stuff. So that's where I'm most excited. Um, as far as the most notable improvement, I think it's the transition play. And that and Kyle Lowry is the primary driver of that figuratively and literally <laughs> he after misses after turnovers heck after made baskets you can see you'll see him you know clapping ball clapping his hands like hey ref give me the ball let's go let's go mm-hmm. he's pushing the pace and getting Miami to their sets earlier so that's it's it's been huge for them especially while they're still trying to work out some kinks in their half court offense you know, well, the and easiest these- way to not worry about the bad half court play is to not play in the half court. And if you're pushing the pace, the way that the heat are with Kyle Lowry on the floor that mitigates that issue. Yeah. Well, and, and what's so funny is that obviously statistically, you know, if you're just looking at the box score, a, a lot of that is not necessarily popping out from Lowry's play individually. Cause his counting stats aren't there in the same way. Obviously his assist numbers have been pretty good, 
But this is this is the type of analysis that we're looking for, right? Where it's looking beyond that box score, what actually is making the difference. And I think the big one that you mentioned was Bam's ability to not have to be guarding whoever is on the ball every single possession. It felt like last year he was on ball defending just so constantly that you're right. He wasn't able to slip back down and, and be a positive rebounder. It allows him to play a bit bigger on that end. We, you've mentioned Bam now. Um, I do have to ask you about Tyler Hero um, and his sort of maturity and his game and the way he's seemingly improved in these first few games. But do, do you think that do you think that some of these efficiencies are real? Obviously, last night he was just contributing in the way that was sort of necessary. He wasn't a focal point for Miami. But with Tyler Hero, do you think that that his ascension could be a real thing we see this season? Um, I think it can be. Like, I don't anticipate him, like, overtaking Bam or Jimmy in the high sure. or anything like that. But it's helpful that he has guys that can put him in spots. Mm-hmm. Like, last year kicked off with Tyler Hill at point guard in that experiment. Right. And I end up writing about that at basketballnews.com. It's like, yeah, Drew stuffing him in a locker. Yeah, Lonzo Ball's had some possessions against him. Like, no, Tyler Hero's not a natural point guard. But I do think these reps are going to help long term because once he's in his more natural role as a secondary guy with someone taking some attention off of him, now the reads are going to be so much easier for him. He's going to make them so much quicker. And now when he's being defended by, you know, a team's second or third best defender or their best bench defender, as opposed to like Drew Holiday, mm. he's going to have even more of an advantage to take advantage, you know, take advantage of. So that's where it kind of starts for me. Like, I do think he is stronger, like the pounds of muscle. We always get to muscle watch in the off season, but I do think he is stronger. That allows him to not get knocked off his spots as easily as he was um, during the first couple of seasons. So that helps. I would like to see him get to the rim more, Mm -hmm. but he's always going to be a guy that kind of leans on the elite touch that he has, the pull-ups there, the floaters there. And again, since he is stronger and since he is in lineups in which, you know, he might have a bench lineup with Kyle Lowry out there, or he might play with Bam, or he might play with Jimmy, and it's those two and three other bench guys. When you have someone that can bend the defense first, you know, Tyler doesn't have to be the guy off the dribble. Like, they're already scrambling. So now it's one dribble, get into the lane, he can get to that floater, can get to that pull-up, or if the defense cheats even more, we've seen him have positive passing flashes. We saw that last year as well. So I do think a step is here for him. Right. And and it's has so much to do with the lack of pressure within the offense, like you mentioned, like just having Kyle Lowry around to be that primary playmaker where now Jimmy and Bam also in the similar situations, they don't have to be the primary playmakers. We've seen Jimmy be able to sort of off ball here, go in and score. He had 36 points the other night, five steals. And I think he only had like three or four assists and rebounds, which is so unlike anything we saw last season because he was able to go out there and be a scorer. What does still concern you for Miami? If there's anything that pops out specifically that makes you go, okay, this is why maybe they can't be a championship team. I think the primary thing for me is the half-court offense. It -hmm. has been bad throughout this um, early going of the season. And we're dealing with, you know, four or five game sample sizes right now. So the numbers themselves should be taken with a grain of salt, but the process is not great right now. Um even during the Brooklyn game, you get into the second quarter where the offense just kind of dies because they're, you know, Jimmy Butler is pounding the ball into the court for like 10 seconds, trying to get a screen to get Patty Mills into the play and they're Mm -hmm. mismatch hunting. And there's like nothing happening behind the play. And so they don't have an elite level half court creator, right? You know, Jimmy can get downhill against a lot of guys, but you know, with the new rules and just generally with Jimmy not being an elite level athlete, that's not a, you know, that's not a, a full plan all the time. Mm-hmm. And so he's not also not an elite pull-up shooter. So 
you know, he kind of has to get to the rim and get to the line to be effective in those half-court situations. Bam Adebayo is still finding himself. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's aggressive, sometimes he's not. Sometimes he leans on the, the mid-range jumper a little bit too much, and if he doesn't have it going, then it's, okay, what's your counter now? Um, Kyle Lowry, as much life as he injects to the offense, like he's not a get-me-a-bucket guy consistently. He can get it when he's rolling, but in the early goings of the season, like the jumper's not there for him right now. He doesn't get to the rim with the same level of burst that he used to, and why would he's 35? Right. So if you're looking at the heat within like a playoff lens, that's where the concern lies. And, sure. you know, Brooklyn does not have great defensive personnel, but they switch everything. And so you mm. take away some of those gaps for the heat, the tag, and it's like, okay, now it's just a get me a bucket situation. And if Jimmy doesn't have the pull up going, exactly. if Bam doesn't have the pull up going, if Kyle Lowry doesn't have the pull up going, then it's okay. What's next? This is reminiscent of the Indiana Pacers game where there was no Kyle Lowry. And this is how Tyler Hero ended up taking, I think, 28 shots. Right, right, right. right. He, he was the only guy that he trusted to knock down tough jumpers. Mm. And to his credit, he had it going late. But the fact that you have to lean on Tyler Hero when you have two other All-Stars is also kind of the problem. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, and And I think that all these things we just mentioned play into each other, right? Where it, is Tyler Hero going to take that leap to where... No, maybe he's not overtaking Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo as the best player on the team, but if he takes a leap enough to where he can be that guy that can get you a couple buckets late and help be that closer. I do have other questions for you. We have other stuff around the NBA, but I'm actually, I've taken too much of your time and and I hope that this can be a way to convince you to come back and hang out with me again in the next few weeks to a month at some point and, and catch up with where the Heat are and the rest of the Eastern Conference in particular. Before you go, Nikias, I want you to be able to plug everything that you have, and, and thank you again for taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, no problem, no problem. I'm definitely going to be back. Just let me know when you want to get this done. We'll try to work something out. Um, awesome. Follow me on Twitter at NikiasNBA. You can follow my written work at basketballnews.com. Uh, basketball analysis um, in terms of podcasting, you can find that on the Dunker Spot. Also, if you want something lighter, sports recap, some banter, uh, me and one of my good friends, Jasmine L. Watkins, on Twitter, she's incredible. Uh, we have a podcast called You Late, just kind of recapping sports and talking about the ridiculousness around that. It's for 15 to 20 minute podcast that drops every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So if you want something light, you can find me on there as well. I can't wait to listen to that, actually. I love Jasmine. She's awesome on Twitter as well. So follow both Nikias and Jasmine follow everything that Nikias does for those of you looking for the next heat games the next one is tonight against the Charlotte Hornets at FTX Arena they will be retiring a uh or not retiring but I guess putting up a banner for Bam's Olympic medal that should be a pretty cool moment then Saturday against the Grizzlies and Tuesday against the Mavs and we'll be back with the podcast hopefully before that thank you guys again for listening to this episode of Miami Miked Up Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places. (laughs) 